to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. everyone. Today I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Donna and she's a diversional therapist and she works as a leisure and lifestyle coordinator. I feel it's really important for the listeners to understand a bit more about diversional therapists and exactly what they do. So this is why I invited Donna to come along today. Hi Donna, thanks for coming. Hi, thank you for your lovely invitation. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into aged care? I've been working in the community sector for a bit, a clock, say close to 30 years in various roles. I've worked for local council as a community centre coordinator in the field of disabilities as a program coordinator and also a daycare coordinator in aged care facilities and an assistant in aged care package coordinator. And presently at the moment, I'm working as a leisure and lifestyle coordinator at an aged care facility. Okay. And how's that different to the other roles you've done in the community? Community roles are more community-based programs, leisure and lifestyle programs. When you're working in an aged care facility, it's actually centre-focused in the actual facility where the client resides. So would you say it's easier or is it harder or, you know, just if we're trying to work, you know, around the needs of older people, you know, is your creativity a bit more limited in aged care facility as opposed to in the community or is it easier? Not at all. No, no, it's not limited at all because I actually use a lot of the community in my leisure and lifestyle programs. Wow, that's really good. That's So the, the residents do a lot of pro activities that connect them to, you know, their environment outside of the nursing homes as well. Absolutely, um, Julie. I actually promote that a lot as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, would you be able to tell our listeners, please, the difference between a diversional therapist, leisure and lifestyle coordinator, recreational activities officer? There's just so many roles. Oh, there is. Look, first, allow me to explain what diversional therapy is. It's a client-centered practice that recognises that leisure that the leisure and recreation experiences are, are the right of all individuals, regardless what setting, what if it's a community setting or if it's um, an aged care setting where they're residing in an aged care facility. The diversion therapy practitioners work with people of all ages and abilities to design and facilitate leisure and recreational programs. These activities are actually designed to support, challenge and enhance the psychological spiritual, social, emotional and physical well-being of all individuals, regardless of if they're in the community or in aged care facility. So what the DT does, he or she facilitates individual client choice, decision-making and participation when developing and managing a recreational program. 
Right. So do you have to have a degree to be a diversional therapist? Well, for that title, yes. Diversional therapists actually do have university degrees. There are many these days online. And a recreation activity officer has a certificate in leisure and health from TAFE. For example, DTs do the goal settings, care plans, design of the programs, so just any modification for the individuals that they might need. It is I on the purchasing of the equipment and the resources, liaise with the management and attend family conferences where the REO, known as Recreation Activities Officer, will be executing the programs and activities, doing most of the one-to-ones with, with the consumer and reporting back to the DT on any concerns they have about the consumer or any changes to the leisure and lifestyle program. So what you're saying, it's not just a case of, you know, a resident moving into an aged care facility and saying, go to bingo or go to, you know, sing along. Or It sounds like it's a very comprehensive assessment when they first move in and how their needs are assessed and what activities they're engaged in. Is that right? It's their home, Julie, so it's their choice of what they would like to participate in. Choose to stay in their room all day if they like and do uh, self-directed activities or they can choose to come to the group programs. Or do they, is there also an option for one-on-one in their own rooms? Absolutely, absolutely. There's always, I, I'm only sure that in my programs, there's always one-to-one time. The, T, the DT or the REO can spend one-to-one quality time with the consumer in their rooms, Absolutely. So is it, I mean, you know, you work at quite a few different places in different roles. Would you say that an aged care facility would employ one diversional therapist in that home and then have uh, leisure and lifestyle staff that work underneath or reporting to the diversional therapist? Or would a nursing home have several different diversional therapists? It depends on what organisation one works for and which state they reside in. Example of role, uh, title roles can include, but it's not limited to, lifestyle coordinator, lifestyle manager, DT, DT manager or DT team leader. And then you've got RAOs and allied health professionals as well. It really depends on the state they live in, at the award, obviously the, the, the current award, and what the organisation would like to portray them as. Okay, right, right. So because, you know, sometimes you hear about, you know, I've certainly seen on my Facebook page a few, you know, uh, carers say, oh, because of my injury I can no longer do work as a carer but I want to do activities and lifestyle. And so it's not just a, a case of just switching over. You, you really need to do training and understand better how to. Oh, absolutely, because, for example, if a carer or a nurse wants to switch over to diversion therapy, that they need to understand the background, why leisure and lifestyle, what we do and why we do it. It's not, it's not as simple as it actually sounds to no. They understand the background, you know, and that, it's, that it is a client centred practice. And the activities are designed to support the challenge and enhance the psychological, spiritual, social, emotional and physical well-being of all clients or consumers, as they're known these days, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot more involved, I guess. And oh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And no two people are alike. And so, you know, some might want to have more spiritual awareness, whereas some say, no, I'm an atheist, I don't want to go into any of that stuff. But 
this is where your assessments come in handy when they first move in so you can understand better what they want and what yeah what the needs are Assessments are very important, Julie. That is very important because it, it targets that person and their specific needs and what they want to do. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about like the, the type of activities that could be on offer in an aged care facility? The way that I see it, it is their home and their program. So all program activities and event are driven by our consumers' interests because it is their program. The lifestyles team are there to facilitate their wants and needs. For example, I'll give you an example. You can have a monthly meeting and you can brainstorm ideas with the consumers. And I'm very fortunate. I work with a great staff and have a brilliant facility manager who's very supportive and open-minded about the, the Legend Lifestyle Program. So our recognition program are designed to support and challenge and enhance residents' psychological, social, emotional, spiritual, cognitive and physical well-being, as I stated earlier. So we aim to keep all residents engaged, productive, stimulated and also contributing to society. Mm-hmm. So if, even though it is their home, I guess there is the, you know, the platform of the basic type of activities that you'd have on offer. So, for example, you'd have something physical such as exercise, something cognitive such as brain teaser or, you know, a puzzle or I know some homes have a newsletter that they sent out every month to their residents, some do not. You know, like there's so much variation as to what each home does and how they handle it. But I guess there is, you know, if you're talking about covering the emotional, psychological well-being and stimulating them in every way, there's, there's surely there's got to be, you know, a few couple of different aspects of activities in which those needs are being met. Absolutely. And I know that volunteers also play a very important role at your workplace as well. So can you tell our listeners a bit about like what type of activities a volunteer might be able to assist with? Uh, Julie, I love my volunteers and I think volunteers actually make the program, the Legend Lifestyle Program. And it's important to keep that connection alive and it's crucial that consumers remain connected to the to community and engage in the community in aged care because it's actually quite healthy for them. Yes, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, I love volunteers. They're a crucial aspect to any leisure and lifestyle program. Just their presence bonds at the facility and brings such joy to the consumer. I have to say in community programs that I've run in the past and my current uh, work role, I've been very fortunate to um, have worked with many talented members of a local community who volunteer their time and bring a lot of their specific expertise to create programs that enrich the consumer's lives. I'll give you some examples of these, which are yoga, art and craft projects, drama classes, meditation classes, singing lessons, foot spas and facials. You know, so we had a, a range of people come in and, you know, and do their magic, as I say, you know, and do their magic, which is fantastic. Wow. So it sounds like the the volunteers uh, bring all these skills and expertise into a facility. Like where do you find these people who can help with such a wide range of interests and hobbies? Yeah, I've actually been quite fortunate. It's actually word by mouth, you know, word of mouth, I should say. Yeah, one volunteer will talk to another volunteer, so I'll, I'll come in, I'll, I'll do this, or I'll do a you know, drama class, or I can come and do some nail therapy or I'll come in and do some meditation or some Reiki. 
And sometimes it's actually the, the, the consumer's relatives who, who, are the, who, who volunteer. Mm, okay. So to become a volunteer, is there a process? I mean, outside of the whole, you know, COVID restrictions, and is it fairly easy to come to an aged care facility and, and offer your skills? And- they, they can actually apply. Um, they can call the Legend Lifestyle Coordinator of the facility and uh, talk to the, to the person about it. And then a um, volunteer pack actually gets sent out to the person and the process is they fill in a form, they get a police check and once that, that, that all comes back positive, you know, like it's all clear to go, they can have a meeting, so a meeting with the Legend Lifestyle Coordinator and they, um, and, and it starts from there. Mm, okay. So you have activities that the volunteers help out with versus activities that are run in-house by your staff. And I guess, you know, the the whole combination of the various personalities and roles really brings out the best in your residents. Absolutely. For example, we in the past have had drama classes and Tai Chi classes and art projects where the the consumers say, I've never done this before in my life. I said, oh, I encourage just to give it a go. And they come out of the activity feeling fantastic. I could never imagine that I could actually do something like this. So it's really inspiring to see them growing that way as well. And it also helps, I think, with volunteers as well, with their own sense of purpose and engagement. You know, I'm sure they get a lot out of visiting aged care facilities and sharing their skills and expertise. Absolutely. They love that. They want to come back and do some more, which is fantastic. That's really good. So can you just tell our listeners a bit about, I understand that you've even had the local police come in and give a few safety talks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, look, not just in my current role, but when I was working out in the community, I developed a program called Community Information Sessions, right? And what these sessions do, they're like educational seminars for the consumer on a range of just various and different topics. For example, these can include the University of Third Age, members of the local councils, talks by library staff about what's happening in the local community. I've invited local parishioners in and also Kimberly Clark do fantastic education seminars about incontinence and, you know, other, you know, other body issues. And they're fantastic at giving away free samples as well. In regards to the police, I thought it was really important because a lot of some clients or consumers, they actually do, do engage out in the community. They, they go shopping, they still do their banking you know, they go out, you know, to various doctor's appointments and that. And because, you know, once a person enters aged care, they're considered a vulnerable group. That person's vulnerable. So I thought, okay, what can I do to educate the consumer that does go out into the community about safety and about personal safety? So I contacted the local police station who are fantastic. So they come in and do like various talks about um online safety because a lot of people do have you know they do use internet banking and online shopping so talk the police have made them aware about community safety how to keep safe boss out in the community for example if it's a stranger approaches you how to react and what to do and that online theft online safety yeah, so those are some of the examples. The police come in and do those talks. So we have like a high tea when they come in. So we make it like really special for the consumer, but also for the guest speaker that actually visits the facility and done in, done 
time that way. So you can have like a high tea, a morning tea. It's really nice. It's, it's really good. It's very, very engaging as well. It's not that boring, you know, where somebody sits at the front and just talks. We actually engage everybody into that program. Yes, yes. And I think it's really good because so many elders, you know, they, they still have their phones and like just understanding a bit more safety as to, you know, do you give your credit card details to someone who calls you and, you know, things like that. It, it comes in quite handy that, you know, they can refresh their skills. And also online scams, you know, people calling in there from the tax department or they've there's a warrant for their arrest. I mean, they're all scams. And now seniors need to be aware of that, regardless if they're living in the community or if they're living in an aged care facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me. A few years back, I had one of my friends, um, he did a lot of climbing over the years and he actually came in and did a big talk and gave it and the residents just absolutely loved it. It was just such a enriching talk that he'd never thought that he would end up being and giving a you know inspirational talk in an aged care facility but they thought it was the best and he brought his equipment along and I just remembered of that yeah just something different you know to break that stigma that they can't learn they don't like new things it was just yeah oh absolutely there is a stigma around aged care and entering an aged care facility but that's what it, they're actually stigmas they're not facts yeah, really, really interesting. So, yeah, talking about Mount Everest and all that was a highlight for, for a lot of them and they spoke about it for months to come. This episode is proudly brought to you by the Beyond Reluctant Move book, Practical Approach to Wellbeing in Residential Aged Care Facilities. Let's together beat the myth that depression and dementia are a normal part of ageing. Grab a copy today from wisecare.com.au. So Donna, I know that in your at your workplace you brought to staff spotlight in the magazine and what I found really interesting reading that excerpt was that there's this big misconception that once an aged care or a person who enters an aged care facility that their life is over and you know like what's the point of doing much and do you find that sometimes you meet those misconceptions as well and how do you engage those residents who come in here you know and they say look I'm just coming here to die. Where do you start with that? Which is not true, isn't it? It's not true. They're not going there to die. They're not going into an aged care facility to die. And that's the first thing I kind of explain. You're not here. You know, it's not, it's not the end of your life. It's just a different phase of your life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I truly believe, you know, and I know some do come in, they have some physical limitations, but they're still very capable of living their life to the fullest. And what I mean by living a life of the fullest is if a consumer has gone into an aged care facility, but before they actually entered that, that aged care facility, they attended computer classes and poultry classes or reading groups or, for example, making sandwiches at their local church before they entered full-time care. Why should that stop? Because, you know, that activity has actually shaped them to who they are today. That love for that activity could be, you know, making sandwiches from the local church or attending art classes or computer classes. Why should that stop? I don't believe that it should. There's plenty of support via in-house. You know, this is, this is done through a multidisciplinary approach, which includes lifestyle staff, family members, which is very important, nursing staff, to engage the person to continue what they love doing for many years. So I don't believe that should stop. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a misconception that, you know, I often hear as well, you know, when I meet someone and I say, I work in aged care and, you know, they say, oh, do you see lots of death and dying? And it's like, well, no, just because they moved into a facility doesn't necessarily mean that they, you know, it's their last days. And, and I think that that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you because there's just this misconception like, oh, you know, they can't do much, they can't do anything. And, and it's certainly not the case because I know you've certainly had amazing outcomes with your residents and with their engagement. And I know that this year has been very different because all these restrictions are put into place. And, Lonely and lockdowns. Yes, yes. And that would be affecting residents and their well-being, especially if they're used to having volunteers and programs and bus trips and outings and, and various things and you know, that just demonstrates that they are actually connected with their community and they're not typically in a lockdown. No, there's Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. What does Zoom bring to your residents? Connectedness with their family members. They can talk via Zoom every day with their family if they like. You know, there's no restrictions to that. So how do you facilitate that, like technology? Say if a resident wants to have contact with their loved one, how did they do that? How do you organise the Zoom chat? They can speak to, to Leisure and Lifestyle staff or the family can contact the Leisure and Lifestyle staff and just book in at a time and, and they have half an hour slots each. They can talk about whatever they like. And so a staff member will go and bring an iPad to a resident? Yeah, earphones if they need, headphones if they need it, if need be. Yeah, absolutely. They can talk to their family every day. There's no limitation. And what's the feedback been from residents? Are they enjoying this type of communication? Absolutely, they are. At the beginning, they might find it a bit confusing because, you know, it's new technology. And from their generation, they're not actually not used to using an iPad or a laptop. They're used to engaging face-to-face. It's really good to explain to the consumer before the meeting say, okay, we got, we're going to be talking to your your loved one today at two o'clock. It just explain the process and ease them into, into the process. And usually when they see their family members online, they've just whole day, it lights up their whole day and it just fa- their face lights up. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. So they're open to new technology. Yeah, and most um, have engaged quite well. When there's been about four or five family members on the screen at the same time, it can get a little bit confusing. They're thinking, how come you're all on there? How, how can you all be on, online at the same time? <laughs> and it's really, it's really funny, you know, it's, and it's really cute at the same time as well. But, you know, and then after the first session, they're like, oh, can we have another session, please? My granddaughter, or can I talk to my great-granddaughter? Yeah, no, that's really good and it's good that they're still connected and I think also for families it's good to know that the nursing homes can facilitate these kind of communications and, you know, keep the relationship going and, you know, it's not just about coming to a home, yeah. Keeping that the family togetherness and the the relationships alive and active is very important. I mean, it's a basic human need. You know, we all want our families, we all love our family, we all want to spend time with our with our loved ones it's natural it's it's basic human needs yes absolutely and do you still even at your facility have some residents who don't have any contact with people outside of the facility who are isolated and you know they've come into care because there's no one out there for them no no okay that's good that's good to hear that they're still well connected now can you share with our listeners if you have a success story about a resident who had difficulty adjusting to the environment 
and how you help them through your skills as a diversional therapist to transition into the new place? It's important when a consumer first enters an aged care facility to identify the factors that impacts the transition and adjustment to long-term aged care and influence the relocation experience. The decision to long, uh, long-term age can be very emotional and stressful for an older person, including their families and their carers. So what I do, I encourage the development of new relationships with other residents and with the staff. That's also a very important role for the staff to play in encouraging and getting to know the, the new client, the new consumer. It's important that the, um, the consumer is given the opportunity to talk about their feelings and how they're feeling at that present moment and also their involvement in the decision to relocate to an aged care facility can help them into the position to an aged care. Does that make, does that make sense? And the family's involvement is very important as well. Or a carer, if they were work for didn't have actually family, then a carer taking care of them. So can you think of a like a client who had difficulty going and leaving their room and who had difficulty, you know, getting out of their room and what did you and your team do to help them transition? Was it through a lot of one-on-one help? Was it through, you know, listening or how did you get them to to leave their room? Because I know that, you know, so much of the focus at the moment is for consumers you know, respecting their rights and respecting their their choices. But we don't really want people to be just sitting isolated in their rooms for too long. We want them to be mixing with other residents, to making friendships, to, to be mixing with staff, to be mixing with volunteers. Have you had any cases where someone who initially came in was quite reluctant to leave the room and do anything and how you helped them along the way to where they are now? working together with other staff members to find out information about the new consumer. But I also believe in a lot of one-to-one does help. And budding up, budding up another resident or with the new resident, budding up, spending one-to-one, you know, it's called baby steps. And another great activity to do with them is, is host a morning tea or a high tea party and invite that the new, the new resident into the party and then introduce them with to other residents. And most are lovely. Most are lovely, you know. So how many people might come along to a morning tea? Depending if they're out for the day or how they're feeling up, um, on the day. It could be 15, it could be 20, it could be 25. Is that a lot for someone new who comes in to meet that many people or how, how do you manage that? You sit with them and you slowly introduce them to other residents. Yeah, that's what I think about, you know, for some of them it's just so hard to go from that stage where, you know, they may have been home for days, weeks, months, years on their own and they suddenly come to an aged care facility and it's like they're surrounded by so many people and I often think it can also be quite overwhelming for them. Yeah, and daunting as well. But like I said before, you take baby steps. It's their choice. You know, and also offer them, uh, encourage them to attend the program. I've just recently introduced TEDx Talks because um, TEDx Talks. So that's been pretty popular. Or, you know, documentaries about movie stars or sports stars of their era. So to slowly introduce it all bingo, you know, and say, would you like to attend this? Or would you like to do this? Or would you like to do this activity? The baby steps. It takes time. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about TED Talks and what does that involve? 
during the residence meetings, I always ask, I always uh, review the program on a monthly basis. And um, because we now have limited contact due to COVID restrictions, when we can't actually facilitate the community information sessions, I ask them, what would you like to do? What would you, you know, what sort of communication or sessions? And I put forth the idea of TEDx Talks which is the vote of spreading ideas in usually in form of short, powerful talk, maybe about 18 minutes or less. Yes, yes. I've listened to a few of them. They've, they've been amazing. That yes. was fantastic. It's fantastic. So how do you play them? How do you play them for a group of residents? Do you put them on a screen or how do you, you know, how, how do they listen to them? I actually download them. So I might do three talks. So they like the hour talks that, you know. So I actually do three talks three talks on us. There could be a health topic, health health um, ideas or latest health topic. And I put them on a disc and I play them. If it's morning, I also offer morning tea. If it's the afternoon, I also offer afternoon tea. Okay, right. So that a group of them can come along and watch it at the same time. And, and it's another social get together for them as well. They can talk about it afterwards. Very intellectually stimulating because always after any activity, I talk to the consumers about the activity and if they like it, how we could improve it next time and what other topics would, would they be interested in. So it's, like I said before, it's, it's their choice. It's their program and I'm facilitating their needs and their wants and their interests. Fantastic. So Donna, if you had a magic wand, what would you like to see happen in a positive way? What would you like to see change in an aged care home? Actually, no, it's three. Firstly, it's a bad rap the aged care industry is actually getting at the moment, you know, via social media and the news. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I mean, I wish they would concentrate more on the positive aspects of aged care and how wonderful the staff are and how most staff do go above and beyond their job description. And most people... Was, I've been fortunate enough, like I said before, to work with a wonderful facility manager, wonderful nursing staff and wonderful lifestyle staff. Right. So that's the first thing that you'd like to see change. What's the second and the third? More staff ratios for leisure and lifestyle departments. I truly believe that the government should reconsider bringing back staff consumer ratios. And, of course, lastly, but not least, is it funding for leisure and lifestyle departments, not only in aged care facilities, but also throughout the board spectrum, such as community hubs, aged care hospital departments, in-home care programs for seniors out in the community. Funding, you know, should be a priority at the moment. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. Now, once we get through COVID, do you have any tips for our listeners on how they can get involved with facilities near them? You know, sometimes I hear people saying, oh, yes, you know, there is a nursing home near me. I'd like to volunteer or I'd like to be involved. I just don't know what to do or what the step would be. What would be your suggestion for someone like that? Get involved. There's nothing more beautiful than giving back, you know. Contact your local aged care facility. Ask them if they need any supplies for their programs example, gardening supplies, ask the local children if they want to set up a pen pal program with the facility, donate puzzles, establish a men's shed program, a poultry or book reading group, 
art and craft class list. The list is endless. And local schools should also get involved. You know, so, for example, I know that every, or the primary schools have choirs and bands and that. Why, why not come in and show off their, those kids show off their skills? To our events, you know, florists can donate flowers. Also, cultural groups are, are great as well. Coming and do a cultural dance. It could be from an Asian background or an Italian background or a Greek background. You know, come and talk about a specific culture, do a presentation. Yeah. So what they need to do is just pick up the phone, call the facility and ask to speak to leisure and lifestyle team who could find out best how to match that individual skills with the needs of the facility. Absolutely. I'm also a big believer in intergenerational activities. It's so beneficial in age, not only for the consumer, but also for the children, because this allows the children to learn about the normal ageing process and it also accepts, assists the child in accepting a person with a disability. It also allows the children to be involved with people who are two or three generations apart. It also helps the children to reduce the fear of older adults as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something, you know, there's just so much fear about going into a home and how will it be not just about the person they're visiting but also, you know, others that are around them. Is it just does everyone have dementia that's in there? It's just breaking those misconceptions and I'm hoping that through this podcast and this interviews that people will realise there's just so much more to it. Absolutely. You know, just, you know, we're all going to get old one day. I mean, we're all, we're all going to, we're all going to have get old one day. And, you know, to receive and give unconditional love and unbounded love and attention. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Donna, for your time. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on your lovely show. Hope we can do more podcasts in the future together about various topics in age care. Yes. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So please leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, with one click, you can grab a copy of my three top downloaded resources on mental health and well-being in older age. Let's face it, this can be a complex topic and I want to give you practical strategies to deal with it. Go to wisecare.com.au for your free copy of these three amazing resources. See you in the next episode.